Hello, Chronic Thinkers. Welcome back to the Chronic Thoughts Podcast. This is Angelo, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood nerd. And this is Jake, a.k.a. the Daily Schwab. Welcome back. We are here to talk about The Last of Us season finale. Good Lord, what a finale it was. Um, What are your thoughts, Jake? Uh, I was expecting pretty much everything I had seen in this episode. I think it definitely is another one of those episodes that panders very closely to the game in terms of just the scene play and everything, all the shots, perfect. Very, yeah, very uh, game accurate. Definitely felt like one of the episodes where you're like living through the gameplay more so, aside for the cinematic aspect of it, too. Certainly, and that's why I love... I mean, I have an Xbox now, but I've always been a PlayStation fan just because I love how cinematic their campaign stories are. Um, I was actually watching earlier the behind-the-scenes making of The Last of Us for HBO. It was actually Troy Baker who was saying, like, oh, you know, we kind of already filmed this, and we acted it out ourselves, and we shot it. Why do we have to do it again? The the writer basically said that he believes that it's such a beautiful story that he doesn't believe that a lot of people necessarily will pick up a a PlayStation remote to actually play it. So he wanted to be able to share the story with a larger audience. And yeah, I think, thank God for him doing that because this was beautiful. Yeah, I definitely was glad that they really made it feel like you were living in like a actual like players shoes not necessarily like Mm -hmm. a characters it felt like something that the audience truly could immerse themselves in i thought it was a really nice way of doing a very pretty much shot for shot look of it but also remaining true to their own brand of being this series and being its own iteration yet still taking much adaptation from the games and probably the better way we've seen in any sort of video game media for like a movie or a show or anything like that. Definitely. I think, uh, I mean, now that you kind of just brought it up, I had no, like, while I was watching this, I never had that thought where I was like, ah, another video game turned into live action. It's going to be trash. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Yeah, I felt the same way through and through, being able to look at the entire first season now as a whole and just being able to judge each episode, because like we talked about in the previous uh, episodes, or previous episode and other mentionings, is it just felt like they really, when they wanted to step away from what exactly happened in the game, they did a better job, and I think it's good to see that when they go directly to the game, it works just as good, if not better at times, but... um, what were your thoughts on pretty much getting like the whole main cast from the video game in the show? Oh, it was very awesome. I love seeing, um, you know, video game Ellie. I, I love the, like, I don't know. You can just, it was nice to hear like her delivery for lines. Cause you're like, Oh, there's, there's Ellie's voice for sure. But you know, she's talking to Ellie. It's kind of, kind of trippy it definitely is yeah i have to agree even just like the simplest noises like screams like when the clicker's trying to make its way in there and everything like just any sort of noise incantation you really can hear video game ellie just in any way whether it's a phrase a noise just anything you immediately jump back in if you've played the game to playing as the original character of ellie and being able to see 
her in a different way and also give more expansion on just how exactly it makes sense for mm -hmm. the infection. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I was watching and I was like, oh, wow, that's, um, I mean, yeah, that was a great scene all around. It, it was good to show what makes Ellie so different. And I don't know, if anything, it kind of brings potential hope. And like, it, maybe Joel, I mean, we're kind of, I'm jumping ahead, but, you know, Joel obviously lied to Ellie about there being dozens of others just like her. Maybe there's like one or two out there. Right. It could just depend. It'd be like a, it'd really be a thing of circumstance if that per se is a solidified way of producing. Yeah. But yeah, that's the only thing though is only Ellie's mom knew that she got bit before she was able to cut the umbilical cord. So because she lied to Marlene about that, and it's like a whole yeah. thing of the game, the show, like this universe. There's a big focus on lies and comeuppance and just like all this sort of just play on you kind of either get what's coming or there's always going to be something that you have to look out for and obviously fans that have played both games understand that to a much much deeper level yeah yep <laughs> yeah yeah my wife was like oh my god why would he do that and i'm like don't you're not the only person <laughs> even in, in their universe who's going to be upset with joel's decision right and i mean I don't know, it is something that you can definitely look at it in both sides, and that's part of the beauty of The Last of Us storytelling, is there's always a way to see both sides, but there's also better ways to handle things, but at the same time, it's really hard because, like, you know, there's even the guy that's laying down his gun when Joel's going through and doing his rampage, and it's hard to really, like, think to yourself, well, he could have just, like, let him go, because, like, who, who knows? Like, all we could have known, the dude could have picked up the gun as soon as he walked by him and shot him in the back. Yeah. Like, it's, it's you know, it's one of those, like, in the heat of the moment, he hadn't really, once he started, there was no stopping, pretty much. And I think that was, you know, it was really a, a good choice for them to do the, the muted music, um, like a muted score mm -hmm. while he was going on his rampage, because I feel like especially as like a father, you know, mm -hmm. he, at, at this point, he already has in his heart adopted Ellie. Um, and he, he has no clue. I mean, she, Marlene told him that they started the operation or she's got it already prepped and it's begun. But for all he knows, they're already like deep into her brain as he's, you know, going on his rampage. So he, he's like, He's just out of tune with the world. He's just focused on his mission. He's not listening to the pleas of others. And I think that's kind of shown by the by the muted music. Like he's he's kind of like shut himself out completely just to go and in the hopes that he could rescue her. Oh, 100%. And I think kind of building off of how you mentioned the score, I feel like it's probably the best audible way that a fan who's familiar of being in these instances just in general in life like in any sort of circumstance of extreme tunnel vision like you said he's focused on his goal but it's really just you know it's a very hollowing like effect for the main score and it really kind of like hones you into where you feel like claustrophobic like audibly you feel compressed you feel like you know you're in this tight space of 
you know, like you said, my goal, my goal is ahead. My goal is getting to this point, getting to her, making sure she's safe. And it definitely brings everything in this season full circle from that first episode when he barely even knew the girl when they were him, Tess and Ellie were trying to get out of Boston and he saw the guard that he was making deals with and he caught them, you know, like once he saw like, and yes, that was PTSD for Sarah, but also it was just the first time we saw his reaction time for like, you know, doing what he felt was right. And this was just a grander scale of him doing it. What in his heart felt was the right thing to do. Yeah. And I know, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the fans of the game have already been completely divided, but now uh, HBO has divided the, the TV viewing audience. Um, they kept his decision the same. Um, obviously, we're talking about the rampage, but um, the scene where he actually enters the doctor's room, I really love that we talked about it because the lack of hesitation that Pedro Pascal, um, you know, put in his performance. We kind of talked about how the doctor didn't have as much. He didn't stand his ground as much as he does. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely but, not. But still, I feel like in the game, like Joel has this like anger and grit to him, where he's kind of just like, I don't know. He like fires at him with more like, yeah, like I don't know. Like just <laughs> get out of my fucking way. <laughs> like, yeah, like, just, yeah, get get out of the, get out of the way, man. He, like, in, in the show, he's just like he barely even looks at the doctor when he shoots him. Like, if anything, his his focus is completely on Ellie. Right. Especially because he knows he's got the upper hand, he's got all the weapons and stuff like that. But Right. And I mean, I don't know. I think one thing, and we mentioned this as well, you know, with he shoots the doctor, which, you know, clearly, you know, he's the guy with the knife. You know, that's going to be your prime target that could cause any further harm in the situation. On, that would cause you know grief on his end and to him taking out the doctor it was all right i'm pretty much as good as i need to go because you know this is before he gets to the garage marlene blah blah blah. but you know the nurses he tells them to turn around i honestly thought that they're gonna like maybe take a turn and he was just gonna like pop him as soon as they turned around that's what i thought like in my first watch and then i was like okay see there's still like that bit of humanity and you know like like you had mentioned you know like they're probably going to go snitching like you know they'll have a perfect oh, description of this guy but at the same time they did mention that they're going to make certain changes and tweaks to season two for what they're going to do and yeah. i mean it would be nice if come further down the line if you know there can be at least either one of them because there are two nurses there one of them by laura bailey the one who actually plays abby in the second game but mm -hmm. um be really nice to see if they like actually have at least one of them say like you know he could have killed us you know just flat out say like he could he had a gun right to us but he didn't like in that yeah. could at least add a little whether or not we get to the final result of what we get it could at least add more conflict to whoever is going to be portraying abby in the next season i can't wait that's going to be a crazy casting announcement whenever they do announce who she's going to be played by yeah, I'm definitely curious to see. A lot of people are saying Shannon Barry, and I think that would be definitely a top choice because looking over just some scenes of her, um, she definitely has the same type of tone, type of attitude, oh, type yeah. of like, look and everything. I mean, she looks like Abby. All you got to do is just change up the hair a little bit, you know, maybe add just like, 
you know, if she wants to build, she can, but she's already a pretty stocky chick. Like she's in good shape. So it's like, it's hard to say that she'd have to really put on some muscle. Yeah. But that's down the line. That's digressing. But I think um, one of the things that was nice, that was a different change was Joel talking about the story of the guy who shot and missed. I mean, it was very important for Ellie to kind of break that little mood that she was in understandably so she was viciously attacked the previous episode so she's a little shaken up but i mean i think that shows just how much more open he is after this whole journey and i think i think um you do have to remember that hbo honestly like very graciously cut out a lot of the travel time so they were gone they were out for quite a while oh yeah months for yeah, sure that, that that what we saw were just like the the most important moments that built the relationship but i mean who oh. knows how many dad jokes they were they were sharing right like i don't know i think especially after everything that happened with her taking care of him after the injury with david's group you know, them being there to rescue one another in a sense. I mean, she got out of her own situation in the previous episode, but he was there to reassure her and make her know that it's all right. Like, don't worry anymore. We're, we're continuing on. Don't worry. You know, and that's why she was a little traumatized still, obviously very clearly. And it's definitely nice to see that at least Pedro, like the way he portrayed Joel, it definitely had like a much lighter, you could just tell it was like a drop of the hat. Like he had his full trust in this girl now and he had his full compassion with her too, in terms of just that father daughter relationship. And it's oh yeah, really cool to see the guy that we saw in the very first episode pretty much back again, at least personality wise. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, it was evident immediately when he was like, uh, I think he was like trying to carry a backpack or put a jacket on. And he asked Ellie to, hold the rifle for him mm -hmm. whereas like way back he would not even let her fucking hold like, a knife or anything yeah he had that knife under his foot when he first met her he wasn't even giving it up <laughs> yeah like it's full circle trust now i don't know plus like just the way he's trying to be a dad again like you know like really be a dad like the way he's just trying to cheer her up like he can tell she's like still not all right from all that and he's probably you know it's probably been days you know however long since they left colorado to get to salt lake yeah and I mean, it's got to be definitely, like, <clears throat> him really feeling like he's stepping up. Because, you know, with Sarah, that's the normal world. There's nothing crazy traumatizing like what she just went through in the last episode. So it's like he's really throwing himself in full parent gear. The way he's like, hey, I got some Chef Boy RD. Hey, like, I got Scrabble. Yeah. You know, like, or, yeah, like, you know, just trying to cheer her up. But, I don't know, it was really nice. Especially the draft moment. I'm so glad that they actually included that. Yeah, I saw you... Uh you shared um, that they used a real draft. On yeah. Set for that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I saw a picture of the behind the scenes with like, it was like a bunch of blue walls for like CGI That's for the sick. actual background. But yeah, they actually had a draft like leaning in for to feed pretty bad. Those, those are the crazy, beautiful moments behind set that make me very jealous. Right? I mean, honestly, I've only seen giraffe in the distance at the zoo. I wish I could get that yeah, close up. Exactly. <laughs> but no, um, it was definitely touching. Um, overall, season one, how would you rate it? I gotta say, honestly, and this is rare, 
this is probably one of the only recent series there are other ones out there that are aged but this is one of the more recent ones where i can truly think i can honestly give it a 10 out of 10 because there was not an ounce of disappointment in any episode of this season definitely especially like don't watch the show and say i can't wait to watch every single bit of gameplay and live action like it's 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 the similar story. It's the same art, but it's a completely different thing. And when you when you're talking about it as the show, 100%, it is perfect. It's 10 out of 10. Right. Like the writing is genius. I mean, obviously they're going off of a game. It's an adaptation, but still, the way they're able to translate it so seamlessly, mm-hmm. I feel like they did their best. And I feel like we got enough understanding, enough visual recognition of the clickers in some of the different types, the stalker and the bloater. Like, I think it was definitely very well interpreted to where you at least understand that way. If they want to throw a lot more at you and they even said they will be in the next two seasons, because part two split into two seasons or more now is what they're saying. Okay. I'll report about that. So, I mean, if that's the case, if they want to throw more infected at us for little bit of you know gameplay related tv then hey i'm all good for not having as much in this first season i think the makeup was beautiful if they don't win an emmy for the effects i'm gonna be very upset because that makeup department killed it especially with the bloater everything i mean it just looked so perfect for sure and and like i was saying uh, a little a little bit ago i was watching the behind the scenes for hbo and just watching them do the research on not only like what it is that the fungus does in 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 life already and how they could incorporate that into like the costume design but the detail of all the visuals that they did everything is very beautiful i agree it needs to it needs to make the same amount of awards as everything everywhere Honestly, I mean, for a TV series, it definitely deserves to sweep the Emmys in pretty much most categories. I mean, you could throw in supporting actor roles for either Sam or Henry. It really, either one of them. Those they were the two that I was thinking of, too, yep. Like, insane. But, and that's what I like about what they did and what I'm hopeful for for the future is the way that, because, I mean, honestly, like, the game, the first game is great, it is, but... I felt like I could really connect deeper to these characters in this live portrayal. Like the way they just brought so much more weight to the roles, it felt so much more genuine. Yeah, because they're able to bring like life to what is essentially side quest. Like, right. I mean, it's integral to the story and all still in the game, but they're just more like people that are like, hey, here we are now. And let me give you a little bit of exposition and we're going to be here for the next. 20 minutes but this is a whole you get much more life yeah more like respect for the characters and then once they finally meet their end it just hurts that much more right and i feel like this is one of those shows where like every cast member top to bottom really looked into the source material really knew how to get into these characters in yeah, a way that it's, would matter. it's crazy yeah I, w- I mean in that behind the scenes thing i forgot what the actor's name is but it was um it was the man who was basically like kathleen's right hand you know oh right the guy that he plays tommy in the game 
Yes, yes. Yeah, he he had like crazy understanding of not even just like the story, but he was going into like like I was kind of saying what the cortis or what the fungus itself like does in in science mm-hmm. like, in the real world like and that just kind of like showed me how much how much studying every single person did no matter like what portion of the show they're in everybody who is involved cast wise they seem like they like had they worked really hard to be able to put out the best thing they could and they succeeded right and like it you know on top of like the genuine aspect it's it you can feel like they are living in this world like it doesn't feel like any character kind of slips up that actuality of yeah like this is we're 20 years deep we've been dealing with these things and the collapse of humanity for all this time like you definitely i don't know neil Druckmann, he did a terrific job i mean the whole cast and crew everyone behind the scenes like definitely one of the best ensembles and i really hope that other shows in general i mean it doesn't even have to be an adaptation just other shows like can learn from this way of storytelling this episodic storytelling especially you know if you want to just look at the post-apocalyptic genre i know fallout has a series coming out on amazon eventually and this definitely should be a very key source for inspiration that's gonna be crazy i did not know that yeah my friend was telling me about that two days ago damn okay that sounds sick (laughs) yeah pretty excited i mean rings of power wasn't great had everything else looking great but i hope that it can it's i didn't get all the way through to be honest (laughs) it was that or house of the dragon and boy house of the dragon (laughs) was beautiful you made the better choice (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that show I feel like, I don't know, I want to see if, because people are making all these theories like, oh, I saw, I thought that was Abby like in the hall or something like, but I don't know, I want to see how they're able to tie all that in with the other side of things, like just the other perspective, if they actually do have her in there or if she is making it in like in the game, like after the fact and whatnot, but it'll be nice to see if like she was really, because I mean, there are a lot of adjacent doors that we're either ajar or we're shut, so you never know. I like, love when they do that in in movies and shows when they show you like the perspective of another character, and they're like, "I was there the whole time." Right, and they're able to cut it together so well because, like, the way he's like going down the hallways, like with those like ajar doors, you could easily just have someone hiding in there and just quickly show him going across doing his thing. You know what? The nearest Fast and the Furious is doing that with Jason Momoa's <laughs> character, so. If they can just get whoever cut that up to work for, <laughs> for HBO's Last of Us, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I I'm still amazed at how they're able to try to trick us into thinking <laughs> these people coming in make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, two of the Mandalorian season three came out um, as we were posting our last episode of the podcast. And in it, we saw Din and Grogu finally making their way to Mandalore, which is crazy. I've never... Uh, have we ever seen Mandalore live action? No, um, I don't even know if we've honestly gotten mention of it in live action until the Mandalorian series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looked beautiful. Um, oh, truly. We kind of talked about how if 
whether or not we'd see any living inhabitants still on Mandalore after the purge, and we did. Oh, we saw quite a few different types. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw those first little, like, I don't know what they are. They're like cavemen people. <laughs> yeah, ooga-boogas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah, and then the little, like, dragon-looking, like, little reptile monster thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, they gave us a scare. They oh, stole yeah. our R5 unit, which really terrified me. Classic little scare on the on the on the radar. Oh, 100 percent just brings me right back to the Alien franchise. Yep, mm-hmm. certainly Alien, uh, heavily inspired this episode. Oh yeah, I'd agree. Which I mean, I don't know. One of my favorite things was. They're always so good and just, I feel like, in most new Star Wars content in general, especially Mandalorian, because we've had so much time with the character and the show now, introducing new alien types, and they make it look good and not ridiculous. And what's great is they use a lot, so much of the concept art, the original concept art, to bring them, and then they use, like, a, you know, just, like, a new little flair. And that's what really sells the creature every single alien that they bring in yeah that's one of the things that like the spider episode the second episode in season two like that was insane like amazing i people complained it was filler i thought it was just a fun creepy episode like that's 100 definitely one of the things they're good at and this definitely just had a very eerie feel i mean obviously it's a desolate bomb to hell planet you know there's just fusion bombs dropped all over the whole surface which Still made it kind of green, but not the right shade of green. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty sad to hear um, later in the episode. Bo-Katan talked to Grogu about how like it, it used to be a beautiful place, and you know she's kind of looking around, just remembering just when it was at its peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and anybody can relate to this. Like when you move out of your hometown and you come back, and this it's just all fucked up. Things are so, completely different. Yeah, yeah it's you're like, not oh, recognizable. No. You're like, ah, oh, come on, man. They used to have an Arby's over here. My no, favorite but... Chinese <laughs> spot was right there. <laughs> yeah, no. I honestly, I'm just glad that like we're starting to get more in depth looks at Mandalore. I mean, I know Clone Wars gave us a very good aspect of it. You know, at close to its peak, not necessarily its peak, but more on its start of its, in its heyday. Yeah, yeah. It's you know they're. <laughs> They're not expecting their downfall because they just retook the planet. But I think that it would be really nice if we could possibly see at some point like a flashback of like the purge or oh, something. Certainly, yeah. There, Disney Star Wars loves to do flashbacks, especially on the shows. That was, in my opinion, some of the highlights of the Obi Wan show was all the flashbacks with Hayden Christensen. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially the way they're able to parallel the training fight with his final fight with Vader. It was yeah. definitely much needed. Yeah, let's see some of that. Let's see, like, a, a Bo-Katan training session while she's fighting or something. Right, or even building off that idea, young Bo, when, you know, she's being brought up. I mean, that'd be, honestly, I think would be kind of nice. Like, kid yeah. Bo, like, when she's, like, first, like, accepting the creed or something. Oh, that would tie in perfectly, yep. Uh, what did you think about getting to see Grogu actually kind of take the reins for a little bit? It's beautiful. I I do, I, I, I remember when the show barely 
came out, there was this big, I mean, I guess it's not like a huge theory, but there was a lot of people were considering the fact that the show, the title, The Mandalorian, isn't about Din at all. It's going to be about, like, it's the story of how Grogu is slowly becoming a Mandalorian. And I feel like every episode that we see, I believe that more and more just because of how much Din is showing him how to how to stargaze, how to, how to navigate, and then... You know, we got the confirmation that he's been training with Luke for two years, and we see that for sure. We see him hold his own. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, it's nice to be able to see, like, him growing, like, truly growing. And I mean, I know he's been around for over 40, 50 years or so, but it's good to see that, you know, I mean, it's so weird how that species works. I mean, Yoda obviously was hundreds of years old, but it's definitely interesting to see that he's really coming into displaying his inner intelligence because he is a very intelligent little guy i mean we could see right from the get-go that obviously there was more to him once we knew for sure he was force sensitive it was all uphill from there and yeah it's definitely good to see him just keep making these different you know levels of achievement in terms of just him growing as just an individual and not necessarily being just a plot device yeah definitely um do you think that we'll see more armor on Grogu? Um, I think it wouldn't be the most obscure thing if he gets some form of helmet, because if you think about, like, there were some of the old-style Mandalorian helmets where the visors either were more transparent or more weren't even present, where it was just yep. an all-metal helmet. I could see maybe something to that aspect going on him i don't know about like the old republic-esque yeah like like an actual like because even when he picks up the one out of the sand and it's got the visor all cracked in i kind of just like got like that's when i got that thought of it um yeah like you know i just I, that's like the maybe i mean i know he's already got the chain mail underneath or at least maybe like i don't know i know kenobi and anakin have like kind of their like clone style armor for like their arm guards and everything so i mean it wouldn't be the most obscure thing if he got some sort of like bracers or something or at least like a little yeah. you know a little uh whatever uh, i can't even remember what the little things that din shoots out the little uh oh, yeah. yeah you know like, yeah like if he got like one of those little gauntlets bro like there's definitely room for him to acquire more gear per se i'm not sure to what level but yeah i'd like to see that or even you know luke gave him the choice between the chainmail or yoda's literal lightsaber and i feel like there's still potential that he could snag that lightsaber down the line hell yeah i would i i mean that would be really cool um i remember i've seen concept art oh no i'm sorry not concept art i've seen fan art of people drawing grogu a little later in his life and he does have like Jedi robes, but also a couple of Mandalorian armor pieces. And um, I gotta find it. Fucking the artist who did this is sick. They put the little uh, the the little ball bearing that goes on his shifter, you know, that he likes to play with. Oh yeah. They put that on the bottom of the hilt. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah, I think that would be badass if he made his own and, like, incorporated. Maybe ooh, a Beskar hilt, even. Oh, now that would be an interesting premise if he actually yeah, does make know. a lightsaber. 
Yeah, or maybe it's a little speaker. I mean, I don't know. Anything. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to see his future. I really like that idea, though, that you brought up about the show being truly about him. Because we did hear mm-hmm. from Favreau not long ago where he said he's currently doing season four of Mando, like in terms of writing and everything. And he doesn't even know for sure, but he's thinking that's going to be like a midpoint for the show. But he's not like fully. conveyed like what the whole story is going to be so that just tells me that we're definitely in for a lengthy ride definitely i mean i have no complaints i have loved this show ever since it first came out i think it's some of the best star wars content that we've ever gotten i agree and i don't know i i won't knock movies like rogue one because i think that's one of the first new movies that definitely brought in a breath of fresh air but i think like at least for Star Wars TV, this definitely was a great way to kick it off. I mean, Andor was tremendous. This oh was a great first step. We started. I'll talk about Andor all day. I love Andor. Yeah, that these like those two shows. That's definitely a prime example of how do how you do Star Wars TV right. Certainly, yeah, and I think Mandalorian and Rogue One. They have a lot. I mean, a lot of. I'm, I, I love Rogue One. I don't know how everybody feels about it, but I think why I love Rogue One, what I think they did right and what Mandalorian does right is the the ability to blend whether it be old school like techniques or just literal shots from the original trilogy and just spruce them up a little bit and, and makes them feel like a brand new shot it makes them feel like they just did something new but it still feels like old timey the way like the original trilogy does i agree for sure like ever since we first stepped back down you know like when he's going to navarro then he goes to tatooine for the first time in the first season like that just it feels like what you see like the the stormtrooper helmets on spikes you're like oh it's sick yeah, like it has that perfect blend. It just it knows how to use the technology of today to not make it feel like it's this whole new thing. Like it improves the visual quality and whatnot and the audio quality, but it also keeps you just honed in perfectly in this nice little sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of visuals, the scariest visual that I have fucking seen because I, I do not like underwater creatures, <laughs> whether it be a uh, Lovecraftian or just a fucking clownfish. <laughs> we, we saw the, the mythosaur, and once, once Din finally made it into the, um, the living waters, he got pulled in by, who knows, really? I mean, I don't know if the mythosaur pulled him in, because why would he, unless the mythosaur was like pulling him in to like pick him or something you know right like he was like oh this 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 man is the man delorean i mean it makes you think do you think the mythosaurus we really haven't gotten a whole lot of like story lore in terms of like there is much myth surrounding the mythosaur Right. I mean, that's the whole, like, yeah, it's, it's really in the name. So, I mean, you could kind of throw just about anything in there. Do you think it might be kind of heightened to a degree? It might know 
what he has with him, what he's gained the right of holding in terms of the oh, saber. Certainly. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that, especially like I haven't, uh, I'm not very versed in Rebels or Bad Bad. I'm aware of both. So I know that there are these crazy, crazy Force-sensitive mythical creatures in Star Wars canon that, you know, if you're just a fan of the movies and stuff like that, you might not be aware of. But that being said, I can certainly see that. Yeah. Maybe the mythosaur did specifically grab him because he was like, hey, I recognize something you got. <laughs> Why are you getting baptized if you got the Darksaber, fool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's definitely a very intelligent creature. I'm just curious how long that particular one's been down there. I, I mean, we, we have kind of talked about it. I, I, I strongly believe that it is a baby that either hatched after the death of the original mythosaur by the hands of Mandalore the Great, or it is, it, it could have even been alive during that time. Like it could have been a tiny little hatchling watching his mama get chopped up. Right, by this big old metal man. And it's been <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it, that would, I mean, that actually is not too bad of an idea. It could make sense why it's seeing him through the water. Cause I mean, I'm sure it's got, terrific sight especially being in a dark catacomb for so long yep. you know i'm thinking it might even have some kind of trauma to it whether like you said whether it's the original like hatchling that was already present or something because i mean it would make sense if it had some sort of witnessing to these very particular looking group of people you know and knows that it's really either not fond of them or doesn't know what to make of them yeah and, either 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 there's probably either some anger or fear for mm -hmm. for sure because i don't know it definitely could have chewed din up right then and there i mean best card but you can crunch <laughs> yeah that shit was massive <laughs> yeah like just the fact that it was just the face that we had seen not even the whole face just the side and i mean despite it being terrifying what a beautiful face i mean i i've only seen the skull of a of a mythosaur, you know, right? To see it actually like living and see like its features, it, it was very sick. It was very like fish like prehistoric, but not just like a Jurassic Park prehistoric, like a mammoth style, like organic. I don't know. Right. It was a very it was a great combination of a lot of different aspects because you see like the kind of reptilian aspect because you know it is this underwater being you see like you said this aquatic but very prehistoric in the hide and whatnot for sure mm -hmm. it's definitely going to be interesting to see if we actually get a more full look at it because i mean it was a pretty a brief pretty brief cutoff like it just they got she got him back up there they flopped out of the water she's like looking like petrified into the water and then it just cuts so i mean I'm assuming there's no way there's going to be any sort of skippage between the end of last episode, the beginning of the next. Yeah, but I'm excited for episode three. That comes out in a couple of days. You said two days. Yeah, so definitely going to be tuning in for that as soon as possible, for sure. Yes. What do you, do you have any expectations for? So, you, I mean, you think it's going to be like a, a paired episode, like 
we're going to pick up exactly where we left off. I would hope so. I mean, I can understand if, like, you know, it's not going to be exactly, but at the same time, with something so grandiose happening, especially for this particular culture, like, it'd be one thing if it's a show with a Jedi coming across it or something, like, anybody else, but the fact it's Mandalorians, a Mythosaur, like, they gotta just right to the punch. I mean, because Din, she'll probably wake him up, whatever, but I mean, I'm just curious to see how they're going to react. Like, I mean, she was mm -hmm. just starting to see him in this new light as, you know, she was laughing him off, like, since she met him, pretty much. Like, she trusted him, but she was laughing him off in terms of, this guy's part of the old ways, like, he's yeah. part of this cult-style Mandalorian, whatever. Like, we don't need this dude. And then she sees him taking the rights, like, saying the whole pledge and everything to be forgiven and all that, and, you know, that he wants to become a Mandalorian, like, a true Mandalorian. It's something that kind of awakens something in her to where she's able to look at him in this new light. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're going to see a lot more friction now between Bo-Katan. I mean, there was already friction there between her and Din, but I think even more so she's going to be a little more threatened with him as a, as a person, you know? Right, she sees that he's not just some other Mandalorian. Like, he actually yeah. is, like, you know, she always thought she was special, especially coming from one of the higher-powered families of Mandalore. But, you know, and I mean, her father is the former ruler, like, you know, and she tried to rule it herself before the Purge. But, you know, seeing Mandalorian, you know, Din, like, come out of, you know, just nowhere, I mean, it almost is, in its own way, mythological. We're definitely seeing... Uh like a Jon Snow, Daenerys-type relationship building. Like, there's something there between them, but she's definitely jealous by these random... <laughs> <laughs> these random things that keep occurring to him that just make him seem all the more greater. I'm hoping that it doesn't play into more of the jealousy card. I mean, I know it'd be good for, like, the conflict of the show or whatever, but especially because we haven't seen a true grand threat for the season yet that we know of but i don't know i'm curious to see how it is going to develop going forward because you know she was talking to grogu like kind of explaining to grogu like her history and everything you know you know the whole joke of you know your father's not the only mandalorian she, she's already said to grogu or, or in front of grogu that she's worked with other jedi before she like knows of their kind and everything and it's definitely something that you know she's also able to place trust in grogu which She's probably well aware of this, you know, like we talked about, he's a very intelligent being, so it's not like she's just blabbing off to some little creature. Yeah, certainly. Like, there's a level of care between that pairing, especially the way she was able to just jump so headfirst into going to save him once she, once she had seen that it was Grogu that was piloting the... I uh, she was going to shoot him. I was so scared. I was glad she didn't even try to raise a blaster because the way she was talking, yeah, I thought she was just gonna be like, yeah, right, she was like, fucking shoot the turret, don't even blink. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man, but no, I'm definitely curious because I mean, we've seen in the preview what looks like Din with his own covert. It looks like he's mm -hmm. got his own, you know, Mandalorian group with him at some point, unless that's just part of the Armorers faction because it does look like it's in that same area where that ritual was taking place but yeah out of the cave well i mean it's probably going to be it's probably not going to be the armors anymore he's going to come back and be like yeah i bathed in the waters i saw the mythosaur i did more than any of you <laughs> what more can i do right no i um 
honestly, I, I would really hope that he would become a grand leader um, of some form, even though he rejected the idea of it in the past. I think that it's definitely destined for him to take charge and, you know, really bring just the Mandalorian way of life in general into a new light. Yeah. Oof, we will see two days. I know I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. Uh, runtime is nearly an hour. I think it's like mm-hmm. 56 think, minutes. Yeah. I think, I think they said it was the longest episode just in general. Yeah. Like ever. Yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to a good lengthy Mando episode, especially like we were talking about the finale for The Last of Us was tremendous. I just, it's one of those shows where I'll take any extra minute I can get, but, you know, it's good to have a longer episode than the last Pedro Pascal show that we were just viewing. Yep. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly talk about just in, um, just because it's pretty recent for today that we're recording they released i don't know if you've watched the little mermaid trailer the remake yes i saw that they released the full trailer during the oscars i caught the full thing on youtube yeah what do you think about it i was a little skeptical um it's really not due to the casting it's just i really kind of tread lightly with a lot of these live action disney projects it's you know you've got good ones you've got great ones and you've got not so great ones, you know. Aladdin. Me personally, Aladdin, Mulan. These are movies. Mulan that, is not good either. Yeah, I know. It's just they're they're movies that just they don't really capture like what you remember. And you know, there's ways that they could have changed things. I mean, I feel like not having Mushu. That's a really, yeah, <laughs> like, that's really rough the start. Biggest mistake immediately. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I just would like to see them take a better step and i feel like it's not impossible i mean this little mermaid trailer i feel like was one of the better looking live action disney movies that i had seen footage for yeah it certainly looks um very in line with the original animated movie Mm -hmm. Um, we definitely are getting a flounder and ursula and a sebastian sebastian looks (laughs) interesting yeah like it's one of those things where that's like the danger of stepping into live action because you don't want to make it too animated but you don't want to make it too realistic either to where it's unrecognizable yeah and it's like sebastian looks like uh that episode of spongebob when they go to land (laughs) (laughs) you're just on the sticks just like yeah yeah (laughs) oh shoot Uh, yeah very scared to see what flounder looks like but <clears throat> i'm not the biggest fan of melissa mccarthy really but i think she is a very good pick for ursula and she looks very very good see i'm on the other side of the coin i'm honestly a pretty big fan of most of her work there's things that like you know i'm not gonna like everything she does but uh-huh. i do actually i there's quite a few things like bridesmaids the heat like quite a few like movies and such and i just i do always like that wherever she shows up there's some way she cameos in her husband i think it's just kind of cute it's hilarious but yeah. i don't know it's i definitely see that where she's not everyone's cup of tea in certain projects though for sure but i think she's good for this role certainly i mean and um to talk about like the highlights real quick i think i mean disney 
if anything, for for a Little Mermaid live action, Disney has a really nice resume to to put this together. If they do it well, um, the the trailer shows um, Prince Eric's big wreck, and that looked really beautiful to me. I mean, they're very good with pirate boats and you know explosions from the pirates movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a pretty decent water simulation. Obviously, they're they own Avatar now. Right. They um, just had Wakanda Forever as well. That also yeah, exactly. another one. So they've got they've got all the makings of what could be really great. So, and I'm very excited. I'm excited to take my daughter to see this. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, it's one of the more authentic feeling ones. I mean, you know, not everything is going to translate perfect, but I think it's definitely proven just from the preview that they are trying at least a good amount for this one. I think it's nice got, to see. They got Javier Bardem as King Triton. That's that's badass. I did not know. Yeah, no, I didn't. I had no idea either. Seeing, seeing the preview, I was just like, wait a minute. Like, no, I just did kind of like. Gave me like whiplash for a second. I was like, no way. He was in, he was in the, the last pirates also. So Yep, Dead Men Tell No Tales. He yeah. is used to he's used to being underwater. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Yeah. That's definitely I'm excited to see how it does turn out the full thing. I'll definitely be going to see that in theaters. Um but I uh not too sure if obviously we talked about Sebastian if all other stuff's gonna translate too well. I mean I'm curious to see like how it all encapsulates it but i do think hallie bailey looks and sounds you know her singing is tremendous it's definitely a good fit for that role yeah definitely i think she's gonna do right by the character for sure i don't think her performance is going to be if there is any um negative portions of the film i don't think it has anything to do with her portrayal at all i think she's going to knock it out oh yeah she's definitely a very solid centerpiece you know i know there's a lot of controversy on the internet but i think you know it's it's the internet there's always going to be kind of backlash no matter what kind of thing you're putting out there and it's good to see that you know this is one of those things where you can prove a lot of people wrong it's definitely something where you can just from the preview feel that she's put a lot of heart into this project certainly Another little news that I saw recently actually has to do with uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I don't know if you saw that Empire was reporting that we're going to see a minimum of five new worlds. Mm, I did yeah. see this. I did see that there was a, um, a specifically non-disclosable universe that they're going to be going into yes mm-hmm. yeah out of those five one of them they could not mention what it's going to be so that really has me exciting but i know that one of them uh, i'm trying to i don't want to butcher the pronunciation it's going to be like mum 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 or something like that Oh, yeah, it's kind of got, like, that, like, uh, yeah, I know, it's, it's Mumbatan, yeah, it's something like that. It's, like, yeah. basically Manhattan, but, yeah, it's Indian uh, Manhattan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that one's going to be cool. We're going to see uh, Gwen Stacy's world, uh, right. Spider-Gwen, which I think is really cool. I think my daughter's going to be hyped for that. That's her favorite Spider-Man. 
uh, yeah, Gwen Stacy, you know, uh, definitely probably one of the better, like, I don't know, I, I like, you know, Spider-Woman and whatnot, but I like Gwen Stacy Spider-Man. She definitely, it's a great, Certainly. great character. Yep. Um, we're going to see Nueva York, which that's um, Miguel O'Hara's futuristic right. New York. And then, yeah, the, the undisclosed one. Uh, for me, I'm most excited to see Nueva York, just because I, I love Spider-Man. 2099 he's one of my favorites and i think i think he's gonna be much more of a villain than they're letting on i'm yeah i mean oscar isaac he can definitely play like very drop of the hat characters in terms of like you know like number and black panther wakanda forever that's a character where mm -hmm. he just changes from that protagonist to antagonist back and forth back and forth where you know he's menacing and cold Mark and like humor. scared and horny <laughs> i mean honestly you know that's you know oscar isaac he's the master of that kind of thing and it's i don't know i'm definitely very curious to see if they're gonna jump full villain or if it's because i know there's some sort of twist there's a reason all the spider-men are after miles in that scene in the first trailer so um, um I'm yeah, I, I had made a, a, a I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I kind of forget which videos I've made, but I'm pretty sure I had made a TikTok um, a few months back on my personal page. Um, Mike, I kind of have this theory where, like, obviously, visual effects, there's no accident. And when, when you're, in terms of animation, when they're doing you know, making a stylistic choice for a power, for instance, and you see other things surrounding that look like that power, I, to me, that has, it's, there's a purpose for that. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that I've noticed is, you know, the way that they specifically animated Miles, <clears throat> excuse me, Miles's way to disappear, he mm -hmm. kind of like bubbles into like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same similar bubbles are what we see when they're using the super collider and they're opening other dimensions. And when we're peering into the Spider-Verse, you see all these like bubbles kind of like mm. bursting in on each other. And the villain's name is the spot who happens to open up bubbles that are uh, interdimensional portals. So I think that none of that is coincidence i think that that all is gonna have to do with each other the fact that the spider-verse connects them all in a very specific way like it's not just any other multiverse the spider-verse is very it's it's very similar to the force like it it's, it runs through every single spider-man or woman mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they're opening up the Spider-Verse with Super Colliders, and now we're seeing more Spider-People come through multiverses. I think it's all going to be for a reason. Right. And another thing kind of building off that, with this universe, with this crazy multiverse, really, you know, now we're getting Miguel O'Hara, we're getting a version of Spider-Woman, we've already gotten Spider-Gwen, you know, we've gotten a few different versions of Peter Parker, Penny Parker, all these other people. Mm -hmm. Do you think 
this is a movie where we could see a Miles variant, but possibly even in the form of the spot. Oh, I would love that. Because um, some of my favorite, not all of them, <laughs> but some of my favorite comics recently in Marvels were the Miles Morales What Ifs. Have you read any of those? I actually have not. There's some, there's a really cool Miles Morales What If Miles Morales was Wolverine. Ooh. And I mean, I won't go into spoilers for that, but they they change it in such a way that like they change who Sabretooth is and they make it a little more close to home and stuff like that. Oh, okay. There's like really good twists to that, and I would love to see not necessarily like the Miles Morales What If universe or anything like that, but I would love to see like them building off of like what you're saying right this kind of idea yeah already it's for peter parker fans it's a little like trippy to see the variations that we're seeing where you see miles's story play out very similar to peter but there's like tweaks and differences like instead of uncle ben you got uncle aaron you know right Um, i would love to see that now that most people are huge fans of Miles now, and they kind of know his story. I would love to see that, like an evil, twisted version. Right, because, I mean, it would kind of play on, like, the idea of why they're all going after him in the first place, like, in that scene, unless it's even someone related to him. I mean, we don't know, because it's... They really could do whatever they want. They could just take, you know, the name of the spot, this character, because, like, it's... Why else, you know? Like you said, why else such a specific villain with such specific abilities? It's not just, you know, he's wreaking havoc or whatever. There's always a catch. There's always a twist, especially in this type of universe. It's it's just the trailer doesn't... Definitely leaves you, like, thinking they haven't filled in all the dots quite yet, especially with the Miguel O'Hara thing. I mean, who knows? Like, maybe it could even be a variant of him. Like, no one... It could be anything. I mean, I'm just curious to see, because now that this idea of variant characters is such a widespread thing we've only seen one miles mm-hmm. oh man that's so cool i want more now i know i'm definitely i'm, I'm excited but another thing too that i wanted to build on back from the uh, beginning of the spider-verse convo was do you think that this very specific undisclosed universe is the live action universe oh i mean it's gotta be right I mean, because there's been rumors that Toby, Andrew, and Tom are in this. It's got to be Secret Wars. Ooh. Ooh. That, that's the, I mean, everybody talks about it, about how that is going to be the ultimate culmination of all Marvel properties they could bring in any Marvel version, any, any Marvel character, any version, if, if they want so yeah why wouldn't they bring in miles he's pretty important to the story also and then right. with the whole um you know with the whole story of secret wars and the ending incursion mm-hmm. that is exactly what they did in the comics they brought miles over to the, the main universe yeah, yeah so him and peter could coexist it wasn't because at first it was just separate universes and yeah mm-hmm. now it's but That'd be a kind of interesting thing, because, yeah, 2015 Secret Wars, I mean, spoilers ahead for anyone that hasn't read that issue. If you haven't, I 
highly recommend it. The Jonathan Hickman run is amazing. Um, it's basically, you know, the two of them, more so Miles. I mean, he had the burger that was sitting in his pocket for two weeks, but, you know, <laughs> he gave that to the Molecule Man, and that's literally, like, pretty much what showed him that there's still good in people and seeing that final battle with Reed and Doom, all he needed was the middle of that they're in agreement, you know? That's, you know, and he's like, all right, you know, that's, he had his, had his little whim, you know, that's, but it's I'm definitely sure like a big moment. I'm sure we won't see the burger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Action, yeah, I don't know about that, but I do think it'd be a very cool way if they are truly taking, from what I heard, taking inspiration from that run more so than the 84 one. Um, if they do use that as a bridge to throw a version of Miles into the main universe with Tom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I saw Scream over the weekend. Scream 6. Um, as an R rating. Without going into spoilers. Um, I think the R rating was really sick. I think there was a lot of good kills. And in terms of the screen movie, it's very uh, well done. I don't think, I wouldn't put this on my top three for screen. Okay. I still think it was really good. The twist, the twist I think works. Um, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Do you think just the twist worked it. better than the last movies? <laughs> like, in terms of just the last, like, the singular last one, not all the movies, but yeah, just the last one. Uh, yes, only because when I go back and I think about, you know, the ghost face reveal and the logistics of it all, it does make sense. When I, when I think about um, Scream 5, um, spoilers if you haven't seen that i guess when i get shown who the killers are richie and i already forgot that other girl's name <laughs> some points when you know like like when they're fighting dewey mm -hmm. who is fighting dewey right because it's like that person is much bigger than dewey but Richie, I think, was supposed to be in the hospital room with Tara, Jenna, Car uh, Jenna Ortega's character. Right. Like, I think that was, like, his alibi. Is, like, he was watching a movie with her. So that means that the girl, I believe, was supposed to be the ghost face who was attacking Dewey, but I don't see how that's possible. Dewey's fucking huge. Right. Unless it's just one of those perspective-type things, like how they yeah. made Tom right. Holland look taller than Marissa Tomei. <laughs> 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 but the, the logistics of... The, the twist reveal, they definitely do work out the more I think about it, and it kind of, it's really nice. I mean, okay. I think they, I think they're certainly going to do another one, just because there's one very, very quick line that is thrown out that leads me to, especially if you are a fan of the Scream saga, and you know, like, what fans have been screaming for so to speak <laughs> what they've been asking for in in the form of a return um i think that is possible down the line okay okay do you think you 
would keep the same rating or do you think you've adjusted it at all or um yeah i might uh i had text you i told you I, it was like a seven out of ten mm-hmm. i probably i mean not by much i probably give it like a 7.3 okay if i were to rewatch it i think i would like it a, a lot more and i probably change my rating a little bit higher but first okay. impressions i i'm sticking with the 7.3 Okay, that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. I mean, it's at least good to hear that the Carnage Count, the R rating and everything, that was very well earned. Um, I certainly had a good time, yep. That's good. I mean, it's always at least nice when it's like an enjoyable slasher, at least in general. You can at least have a good time going in. It's not just going to be a completely, you know, completely sleeper movie, you know. It's like there's some of those that just come out like the last in my opinion, the last couple of Halloween films where you're just like, ugh, yep. do we really need this? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's very much better than the last two Halloween films, I can honestly say. That's good. Um, the only thing that I had seen, and this is really the most minute of spoilers, I guess, it was just like a small clip I had seen posted on Twitter, but <laughs> did you get a pretty good reaction seeing Gail get her shit rocked yet again? Oh, 100%. Oh, goodness. <laughs> It's like, come on. Because did you, did you, spoilers, 100% spoilers for this, but did you, did you actually see like the full scene of that? Uh, it was just like pretty much like the first, like, or it was like the couple lines of dialogue before she had actually gotten like pretty much <laughs> her shit rocked, but no. Like she, like, she dodges and you're like, oh, oh yeah. Like, yeah, she, yeah. She, she knows what she's doing. And then, nice boom, try, and then she gets her, her ass. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh shoot! I wonder what that was like for Jenna Ortega being this upcoming star, getting to throw one at Courtney Cox. <laughs> Man, she's she's living everybody's dreams. I'm pretty sure that's not even. She got to work with fucking Tim Burton. That's. Oh yeah, I mean, like being able to do Wednesday. I mean, that was probably a tremendous experience. I got a recommendation from. My stepfather, he told me about this comedy movie they had watched on Amazon Prime not too long ago. So I decided to give it a look. And it's a movie called Let's Kill Ward's Wife. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't. Well, if you get the chance, I highly recommend it. It's under an hour and a half. But wow, it actually was one of the more like funny, dark humor kind of like movies that i'd seen the cast is actually pretty solid i was really surprised going in i mean it's got patrick wilson as this kind of up and down actor in the movie you know you got uh i forget how to say his last name uh is it donald Faison? donald Fajan uh from oh yeah yeah so he's one of the main characters um he's hilarious definitely like the whole cast kills it and surprisingly enough um james carpinello uh from the original punisher movie with thomas jane he was in this as well and he was great in that movie but it's basically about a group of friends there's another guy scott foley that's the other friend um he plays tom and then there's like uh scott's character and patrick's character they both have wives of their own um and then don he has like his own wife and she's ward's wife he's playing ward so it's basically just this awful woman hilarious plot hilarious premise it's gets a little too literal too fast but the way that the characters handle it and everything pretty hilarious little film very fun little movie it's definitely aged it came out in 2014 but 
it was one of those little ones that kind of had a bigger impact than I was expecting. And if you're just a fan of some darker humor and just anyone from that cast line, I mean, it's definitely a well worth it watch. I'd have to say for a comedy, especially a very short comedy, I'd give it like an eight out of 10. Hell yeah, a good light-up comedy, light-up and watch. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, it's one of those classic ones where you've got, you know, like, Ward's neighbor is like this kind of heavy-set cop guy, and he's just like the guy that wants to fit in, hang out with the group kind of thing. So it's just got like that extra little, like, it reminded me of Game Night with Jason Statham, or Jason Statham, oh, Jason okay. Bateman, you know, where you got, what's his name that played Todd in Breaking Bad, you know, next door. It's just the creepy cop neighbor, but he's like, wants to, like, be with the group and all that. And it's just, it's like kind of like the similar kind of jokey kind of humor but it's it's definitely very good if you get the chance i definitely recommend it oh uh, yeah we should we'll all watch as a collective and we'll talk about it <laughs> all right so that is going to conclude episode two of the chronic thoughts podcast this again has been jake aka the daily schwab and angelo your friendly neighborhood nerd we look forward to you guys tuning in on the next episode definitely looking forward to episode three of the mandalorian that'll be one of our prime topics on the next episode oh yeah i'll catch you later